today, we have the opportunity, we get to consider the word of God. To consider how God's word speaks to our lives. How it's trying to transform our understanding and equip us to proceed in life towards that abundant life that Jesus promised us. How many of you want that life? How many of you know that a lot of uh, partaking of all that God has already provided in Jesus has to do with the choices we make? Right? We, we have to choose to partake of all that. So over the last several weeks, we've been on a series entitled This or That. We've been looking at choices, the power of choices. I think we can all agree by now that we've all made choices. We all make choices. And the truth is that we will make choices going forward. And choices, like I've said over the last several weeks, are like trails because no matter what choices we're making, the truth is this. They are always going to lead us somewhere. They're always going to lead somewhere. So why not incorporate the word of God? Why not incorporate the wisdom of God's word to inform how we process decisions? Why not incorporate the wisdom from God's word to inform how we can make better choices? That makes sense? I don't know about you, but all choices are based on information. And why not draw from the best information? God's word. The voice of God. His spirit that's always speaking to us. And so today I've got a real practical message for you. But before we jump into that, I just want to go back to Deuteronomy 30, 19. And I want you to just hear this. It says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I want you to simply consider this. The choices are powerful. Choices are life-altering. And choices don't just impact us for now. Choices impact our tomorrows. Some of us are living in today's that one day we weren't thinking about becoming tomorrow and we're regretting yesterday, if that even makes sense to you. I want you to think about that. We can't change what yesterday was, but we can make choices today that create new tomorrows. We don't have to live in regret. We don't have to live looking backwards Uh, going back and forth between the past and the present. We can make powerful choices. And just based on Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I want you to see that God has an interest in our life. He has a vested interest in not just what we live in today, but he wants us to make wise choices to choose according to the life that he's given us in Christ, according to his very best, so that we can enjoy the best of tomorrows and we can be, be reflect, uh, we, we can be mirrors that reflect his goodness and show a world that God is real. Amen? And so God wants us to make good choices, choices that lead to life. Today I'd like to talk to you about a powerful tool, a very practical tool that you and I all have at our disposal. But it's all based upon a choice. I want to talk to you about living with integrity. I want to talk to you about integrity because integrity is something very important when it comes to choices. Integrity is something that can define whether we end up living in regret or whether we choose right despite what everybody else around us says and does, despite what popular culture dictates. And it serves as a a, a underlying uh, uh, guide that is constantly pointing us towards what's right. How many of you know that sometimes we make choices and it doesn't feel right? Because everybody else says it's wrong. Because everybody else says this is not the norm in this world. Well, I'm here to tell you today, don't worry about what people say. 
Do what's right anyway. Do what the word of God calls you to anyway. Because as we'll see today, when we live according to integrity, when we do what we say and we say what we do, when we hold to the truth of God's word and we allow it to be a firm foundation for us, that integrity will guide us to great places in life. It will. And I'm going to show you that from scripture. I'm not here to give you my opinion. Now, the word integrity in the English language is interesting. By definition, it simply means the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. It's an unimpaired condition. It's soundness. It's also the quality or state of being complete or whole. Now, if you think about it, this sounds like a great description for a Christian today. Whole, complete, sound, unimpaired, honest, strong, and holding to moral principles, to principles that are godly. I like the way John Maxwell once put it. He says, integrity is deciding to integrate my heart's value into my daily decisions and actions. Integrity, it's deciding to integrate my heart's value into my decisions and actions. See, at the core, integrity is a choice for every believer. Integrity is a choice for every person. But you see, for us, because we know Jesus, because we know the truth, because we know what's right according to his word, because we have soundness of mind, because we are complete and whole and lack nothing in Christ, we should consider this question. Do I integrate my heart's value? Do I integrate the life of Jesus? Do I integrate the light that this word provides as a lamp unto my feet, into my daily choices? Do I integrate my heart's value? See, does what you believe in Christ and who you've become factor into your choices? That's a very telling question if we dare to answer it for ourselves. Do I always integrate the truth that I know from God's word? Do I always integrate who I've become in Christ into the choices that I make on a daily basis? Listen, when we choose that way, when we approach decisions to that extent, despite what feels good, despite what people say, despite what the norms are, despite what, what, what we may know from experience from the past, when we know what the word of God declares and we listen and heed to the voice of the spirit of God that's always pointing us to the truth, how can you make a bad choice? I dare say this, that when we don't make choices according to the truth that God's word reveals to us, when we don't follow after the spirit, after the spirit of God, here's what we're not doing. We're not integrating our greatest value. We're not living according to the greatest resource that we have available to us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a lack of integrity. We're to integrate this life. And so as we begin today, I'd like us all to take a quick integrity quiz. You ready? You sure? Some of you are not excited. You're like, I don't like quizzes. I don't like pop quizzes. I didn't get a, I didn't get a text message on this telling me we were going to take a quiz today. I'd like for all of us to take a quick integrity quiz and see how we fare based upon our answers to ourselves. Here's what I'm not asking you to do. I am not asking you to tell your neighbor your husband, your wife, your friend that you came with, to tap them or nudge them and say, he's talking to you. No, the word of God is very personal. 
it applies to each and every one of us. Here's what I'm also not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to tell on yourself. I'm not asking you to go, oh, that's me. I want you to simply consider this question for yourself. But I want you to think about this, that this quiz will take for you to answer yourself with integrity. In truth. Is who you are on the inside the same as who people see on the outside? Is who you really are as a child of God and what Christ has done in you what people see on the outside? Look, I'll tell on me. I was that guy years ago that I was uh, one person on my way to church and as soon as I walked in, it's like I got schizophrenic. Like, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. It's so good to see you. Maybe you're not to that extreme, but I, can, I dare say this, that each and every one of us faces an integrity test on a daily basis. From the biggest things to the smallest things. Hey, as parents, we've all been there. We're going to do this. I promise you I'm going to make this happen. Yes, I'll say this and I'll be here and I'll do that. And we have, you know, whatever happens. You know, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't do that. But you see, integrity provides lessons for life. Integrity passes on legacy to children. Integrity says something about the Christ that we believe and we love. Integrity says something about who we've become. Integrity speaks loudly. You know, Jesus, when, if he was harsh towards anyone, if Jesus was rough in any way or very direct and to the point with anyone, it was with Pharisees and Sadducees. At one time, Jesus, in an encounter with them, says to them, hey, You guys look good on the outside. It's all pretty. He says, but on the inside, you're whitewashed tombs. You're full of dead bones. Hey, I'm not saying that. I'm not implying that that's anyone here. But you see, when there's a disconnect from our heart value and who we've become and what we know to be the truth and and how we approach decisions based upon what we think is flexible, that we can compromise, there's a disconnect there. And... You might say, well, you know, we're Christians. We know this. Well, if if that were the case, if if we know this already, then why would it continue to be in the Word? The Word of God says a lot about integrity. God has a lot to say about how we integrate these values, what we know to be the truth. So I have another question for you. Are your values consistent in the moment or subjective to the moment? It's amazing how we, we, we can easily compromise our integrity in, in the most simplest ways. And I'm glad this is being recorded and we can edit this because, you know, sometimes we, we choose sides on almost anything. We choose sides based on color. We choose sides based on race. We choose sides based upon, on, uh, based upon uh, uh, doctrines. We choose sides based upon politics. We choose sides based upon all these things. And and the thing is this, that what we're doing is we are compromising the integrity of who we are. Our first and only role is Christian. It's Christian. It's child of God. It's child of God. And we can so easily conform when the Bible calls us to be transformed, to have a renewal of the mind. And so I want to just encourage you. 
along the lines of integrity to consider this valuable point that we're called to integrate who we are as children of God into everything that we face in life. And that's not exclusive or set apart from our choices. Integrity. It's important. You know, sometimes we just don't, we, 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 we say one thing and we do another thing and there's no integrity in that. Sometimes we believe, you know, well, I, I just don't want to, I, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to say this. I don't say, and that's right. There's a way to go about doing things. But listen, we have to speak the truth in love. We have to hold to who we are in Christ. And it's not because we're doing it to get anything from God, but it's because God has saved us unto a new life. You know, you ever think about how you learned to write letters when you were a little kid? You ever think about why they always had us sign a letter at the end, sincerely yours? You know, that term comes from an ancient practice in Rome. Roman sculptors in ancient times concealed cracks in apparently flawless marble statues with melted beeswax. And when the wax dried and it crumbled, the angry purchaser would usually come seeking compensation, seeking restitution, seeking a return because they were deceived. Reputable sculptures in ancient, in ancient Rome guaranteed their work with one phrase, sin sera, which means without wax. Hence, sincerely yours has transcended into our times, our day and age today. Likewise, as people of God, we are called to be people of integrity who hold to and present that which is true and that which is right and that which is pure and that which is godly. We're called to live with integrity. We're not called to flip or flop. We're not called to meld and fall into the mold of what's acceptable or common in the world today. You know, in, in the book of Joshua, we're going to be looking at chapter 7, and we're just going to land at a, at a little point there, and then we'll move on. But in the book of Joshua, what we find is that uh, the people of Israel have now moved on from this place called Egypt. They've now moved on from 40 years of going around in circles, around and around and around and around, going to the same places, expecting different results. And then they find themselves under the leadership of a man named Joshua. And Joshua understood that he had a promise from God. God told him, you're going to go and you're going to conquer. And you're going to go to lands that you, you, you yourself did not establish. You're going to uh, find yourself inhabiting homes and cities and, and buildings that you did not build. And he says, and this land that you're going to is a land that's blessed. It's so blessed that it flows with milk and honey. The grapes are huge. It's the place that I'm calling to you. It's a place of promise. And so the people of Israel are marching. And in the book of Joshua chapter 6, I believe it is going into chapter 7, what we find is that they go to this city named uh, Jericho. And when they get there, God says to them, watch this guys, I'm going to do something real cool. I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to show you that I've called you to a land of promise. I'm going to show you that you could depend upon me. And so they get to this place called Jericho and they're all pumped and God says, here's my instructions to you. Shut up and march. Just go around this city. Six days. Don't say a peep. Don't do anything. And on the seventh day, 
On the seventh day, once, once you go around, blow the horns, raise a shout, and watch what I do. The Bible says that the entire city collapses in on itself and they have a great victory. So here they are now in, John, in Joshua chapter 7. They've had this great victory. They seem the miraculous hand of God. They're super pumped. They know that God will not fail them. They know that the nations are trembling. And they're heading into this little town called Ai. They're heading to this little town called Ai. Joshua says, hey guys. He rounds up some of his trusted men. He says, I need you to go in there and spy out the land and... Bring back news to me. Tell me, what, tell me what you see. So they go into AI. They march in there. They see everything. They come back and say, no big deal. We don't even take... Let the army rest. Just send 3,000 men. That'll be more than enough to destroy them. The Bible says that the men go and they get to AI and 36 of their men immediately get slaughtered and all the, all the men that went to, to AI to overtake it scatter. They run back with their tails between their legs. The Bible says that Joshua and the elders of Israel fall on their face, that they're throwing dust on themselves, that they're crying and they're weeping and they're saying, God, how could you fail us? God, what will all the nations now say? They're going to come and surround us and overtake us, the Amorites and this and that. And God says to Joshua, get up off your face. He says, get up off your face, stand. He talks to him and he says to him, Joshua, there's an issue amongst the people of Israel. Somebody, he, he, actually what he says is, the nation of Israel has done something wrong. And so he gives a, a Joshua instruction and he says to him, here's how you're going to figure out where the issue is. Go do it. Joshua goes tribe by tribe, family by family, until finally he comes to the family of a man named Achan. And Joshua says to this man, Achan, he says, tell me what you've done. Tell me what's happened. Joshua chapter 7, verses 20 and 21, Achan answers Joshua and says, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. In other words, I strongly desired them. And I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. Now, let me just preface this by saying that we can thank God that we don't live according to those times. Because the law in those times called, not just to kill Achan, not just to kill his wife and his kids, but to even kill the animals and burn everything. Thank God we're not under that. You do know that, right? That God does not relate to us according to that. God relates to us according to grace to his love, to his promises. We're covered. God is faithful. But hey, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that we're excluded from the consequences of some of the choices we'll make and the times when we do not function in integrity. Those things have an impact. And so I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. What we see here is a valuable truth. Notice that God says all Israel has sinned. All Israel did something wrong. Now, sin has been dealt with. We don't have that issue with God. But we can still act according to our old nature if we're not careful. We can still think according to an old nature. And so, what we see here is that a lack of integrity doesn't just have the power to affect us. See, Achan was just thinking about what he wanted. 
But what Achan wasn't thinking about is the impact that it would have, not just in his household. But notice that God held the whole nation responsible. Now, here's, here's, here's the point that I want you to think about here. That while integrity is a matter of personal choice, it never quite remains personal. Some way, somehow, it will affect other areas of our lives. Now, this might seem like an unnecessary topic because, after all, I'm a child of God. I know the importance of integrity. But I would challenge you with this question. Have you arrived in this area? Have you arrived? Because if it were true that we've all arrived, then guess what? We wouldn't end up with some of the results we've ended up with in light of choices. I say that with complete love, ladies and gentlemen. My task here is to speak the truth in love and to point you back to God's word. And so I want us to look to the scriptures and consider what the Bible has to say about integrity. There's so much on integrity in the word. I don't have time to get to it all, but I want to touch on a few things. Proverbs 11 verses 1 through 3 starts off by saying this in verse 1. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That word abomination there simply means displeasing. It means falling short of what you were designed for, of what we were designed for. And so it says, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What is this talking about? It's talking about approaching things with integrity. Verse 2 goes on to say, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. I want you to see that in context here, this is talking about integrity. Now, the term here, dishonest scales, speaks of a common practice back in those days. Today, when you go to the, to, to the supermarket and you go get your, your, when you get your meat cut at the butcher or you go to the deli and you get your sliced uh, deli meat or whatever it is you're getting, they put it on a scale. And you trust that that scale is honest. But that scale, in order for it to be honest, has to be balanced correctly with something that will be able to level off and declare and determine this is true, this is just. Well, back in those days, you ever heard of those terms in the Bible you might be reading and it says that he paid 20 shekels for whatever, right? Or an effer of, uh, of barley. What it's talking about there is not a, a, a particular weight, a particular price as much as it is a weight against they would against which they would balance to determine the price that it was sold for. And so, for example, with a shekel, all shekels were, were stones. So, for example, here you are buying a little lamb. And you come with your little lamb. And you bring it to the person that you're purchasing it from. And he says, that'll be 20 shekels. What you, he said, that's 20 shekels of silver. What you would do is you would pull out your silver. And he would pull out his stones. Most likely they would be smaller stones. And what he would do is he would place them on a scale and he would say, that's 20 shekels there. That's, that's the equivalent of 20 shekels. And you trusting that he was trustworthy and true would put your silver on it up to the point that it would level off. Well, what I want you to see is that God says that dishonest scales fall short of who you are. A lack of integrity doesn't balance out with what the word declares about you. 
Choices made without integrity. A life lived void of integrity falls far short of who you've become in Christ. God delights in just scales. Thank God that his justice is based upon who we now are in Christ and not those moments where we fall short. Hey, hey, here's something free for you to consider. Even when you fall short, he makes up the difference and balances the scales. He balances the scales. But that does not mean that it's an excuse for us not to align ourselves with who we've become in Christ. That makes sense? And so God's desire is that we as as his people would live with integrity. You know, verse 2 is very interesting because in context it's talking about integrity. And what it reveals is that a lack of integrity of us is a sign of pride. It's a sign of pride. I want you to think about this. When we fall short, when we set aside what we know to be true, when we live independent or choose independent of what we've become in Christ and what we know is right, literally what we're doing is this. What we're saying is, there's a better way for me to do this quicker, and so I'm just going to do this for me. And who's the object of affection there? Ourselves. That's pride, ladies and gentlemen. And pride doesn't work when it comes to integrity. Our scales are measured by the truth of God's word. And when we choose to operate in integrity, it guides us in life towards God's best. Let me read to you verse 3 again, and then I want to just share a thought with you. It says that the integrity of the upright will guide them. It will guide them. It will open up a path ahead of us. I remember many years ago when I used to, when I, when I used to work for a particular organization, I, start, I started there at the bottom. I was a receptionist. I was just happy to get a job at that point. And so I started working at this organization, but within two years, I grew quickly through the ranks. Um, I was already in management, and and I kind of had topped out. I had reached as far as I could, and the only other position to go from from there was on an executive level. And so... uh, I was aspiring to that. I, you know, I had the favor of God. I, I was good at what I did. I managed many programs. And so in the midst of that, uh, because I managed many programs, I had to respond um, and be accountable to different government agencies. And uh, one government agency in the city, I was meeting with the commissioner of this agency, and we were discussing some contracts that we had been awarded that we had to manage. And this particular commissioner asked me some questions about a certain amount of designated funds and said to me, what's the plan for these funds? What, how is this going to work? How soon will these be dispersed? How soon will you hire these people? And so because this is the funder, these are the people that I'm accountable to as the manager of these programs, I responded in kind. I answered his questions. The only problem was that my executive director, my associate executive director had a problem with that. So the next day I show up, I did nothing wrong. I answered the questions that I was accountable and held responsible to answer to the people that, were, that I was responsible to for managing those programs. And so I show up that morning at the office, didn't know anything was going on, and my associate executive director says, I need you to step into my office. As I step into my office, my direct supervisor's sitting there, and she says, close the door. I close the door. And she, she says, I'm going to give you a letter and I need you to read it. And then we're going to discuss this. I open the envelope. I read the letter. And the letter says that I have been, uh, this is a formal uh, written notice that I have been written up for insubordination. 
and that um, I am not eligible for any pay raises, I cannot take off any time, and that I am put on a disciplinary probation for the next six months, and that this would remain in my employee file for the duration of six months. If I had any incident, I would be fired, no matter how big, no matter how small. That's pretty excessive. You know, at that point, you might, you, I know I was, might have been tempted to go, oh, heck no. Uh, no, uh, no, no, not me. You don't understand. No, this is actually how it went down. This is what happened. You don't, this is why I did what I did. You know what I did? Zipped my lip. It doesn't mean I didn't feel bad. It doesn't mean I wasn't upset. I kept quiet. I said, thank you for your time. Now, here's what you don't know. I was due for a promotion that, 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 that same month. A promotion into a directorship that would have led me to a really substantial, a really good raise, really substantial. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I was looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, I needed it. But in the midst of that, I kept quiet. The, I, went to the, I went to my office, closed my door, poured my heart out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know that I didn't do this with any maliciousness. Lord, you know that I did this with integrity. But I'm not going to defend myself here. I'm leaving this in your hands. Went home. Only other person I spoke to was my wife. Didn't say anything to anyone. The next day I walked into the office. And I made it my business to walk around the long way. To my office. To make sure that I passed by my associate executive director's office. And as I'm walking by, I said, good morning, Carol. That woman's neck almost snapped. She did like a quadruple take. Good morning, Jose. And I just kept it moving. For six months, I, I proceeded in silence. I was faithful. I said, Lord, I trust you. Yeah. Now, the thing is that the position that I was hoping to get um, at the time, there was no foreseeable positions like those in sight. Directors didn't just come and go. Ex- associate executive directors didn't just come and go. But anyway, I just kept on, well, six months to the day, because I was counting, because I was going to pick up the phone that morning and say, please make sure you take this out of my employee file. Six months to the day, the HR director beats me to the punch, calls me at the office and says, "Uh, Jose, I just want to let you know that we are removing this from your file, but I also want to let you know that there is a director position that has just become available. (laughs) Watch this, watch this. And the person who recommended you is Carol. Let me tell you something. Integrity. When you choose to operate in integrity and you approach life that way and the choices you make that way, everyone else around you can say it's wrong. Trust me, I had plenty of believers saying, you need to go in there and demand your rights. You should go to the Department of Labor and file a complaint for discrimination. You should do this. You should do that. Oh, and by the way, the Bible says this. Kept quiet. And the only reason why some people knew that were Christians was because they worked with me. My point is simply this, going back to verse 3, the integrity of the upright will guide them. It will guide them. It will open up a path for you. Psalm 25 verses 20 and 21 puts it this way. It says, protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced. For in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I 
put my hope in you. We live in a world where it's easy to base our integrity upon what people say. Upon what people say is right. Upon what people say is true. And when we fall into that trap, what we're doing is this. We're playing it safe, ladies and gentlemen. We're not transforming. We're conforming. There's no renewal of the mind there. There's no growth there. I think about the disciples. This is free. This is apart from my notes. The book of Acts talks about the disciples, how one time uh, they were preaching Jesus and they, they healed a man and, and, and all these things and people marveled and all these people are believing in Jesus. And the Bible says that they have them arrested. They bring these guys before this uh, 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 council of Sadducees, of religious leaders, and they flog them and they beat them and, they, and, and, and they, they question them and they tell them, you can't do this, you can't do that. And one of the things that I'm reminded of in the book of Acts is that it says that when, when, they, when they were uh, bringing their charges, they said, these men trouble the whole world. Another version puts it this way, they have turned the world on its end. Can I, can I just encourage you with something? That God has not called you and I to play it safe. God has not called you and I to conform. God has not called you and I to reflect the environment. Listen, you are not called to be a thermometer. You're called to be a thermostat. A thermometer reflects the environment. A thermostat changes it. You're called to be the difference. That's what we are. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. So we're not, we're called to live a committed life in an uncommitted world, ladies and gentlemen. And as we see in Psalm 25, verses 20 through 21, integrity based upon a hope and trust in God is more beneficial. Why? Because it protects us. It protects us. Integrity is a shield. It protects us. Proverbs 10, verse 9 says this, He who walks with integrity walks securely. That word walks there simply means a manner of life. And that word securely there speaks of being bold, being full of hope. It speaks of assurance. And so hear this. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will become known. Ladies and gentlemen, integrity cannot be built on adjustable values. We can't flip and flop. When you stick with integrity, it will bring you through the toughest circumstances of life. It will prove to be true because it's based on the truth. Hmm. And so as we're closing here, I want to give you some things just to wrap your head around. Some things to consider about integrity in your life and mine. People with integrity know that the little things count. The little things count. The little things count. You know, I remember when... uh, I remember when my, uh, my kids were younger. You know, all kids want is just time. They just want time. Far beyond the gifts, far beyond the money, far beyond all the expensive and, you know, nice things. Kids want time. And I remember... That there was a time where, man, I loved God, still do. And God was working in my life, but my focus was upon a lot of different things. 
And I can remember many times where I told my kids, we're going to do something. And we didn't. And I'm reminded at this very moment of a time where my son wanted to go out to play basketball. Basketball. Just to shoot some hoops. And he, and he says to me, he says, Dad, can we go to the park? Can we just go shoot some hoops? And then he said this to me, I know, I know you can't. I know you can't. And I remember how I felt that at that moment. It wasn't that God was mad at me. It wasn't that God was condemning me. It was just that I became conscious that I had set a standard because I had said one thing and did another. Integrity, ladies and gentlemen. Those little things count. Those little kids become adults. This world needs a shining light where people live with integrity. And we of all people have the greatest benefit to do so because we know the truth and the truth has set us free because we know Jesus and we know the love of God. We should constantly integrate those, even in the smallest things, what we know to be true. Songs of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 says this. It says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Did you know that God created you to bear fruit? Did you know that there is a fruit of the Spirit that's meant to operate and flow in and through your life? But did you know that the little things, the little foxes, those little things that we pay no attention to, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Ah, oh, no worries. Ah, oh, I've got this excuse, that excuse. Did you know that it's those little things that the Scripture says that threaten to spoil the fruit of the vine? Integrity, ladies and gentlemen. Integrity is seldom lost in the moment. I'll tell you what I mean by that. It happens little by little, bit by bit. It's like a slippery slope. You start proceeding slowly, and before you know it, you're going too fast. Integrity, it matters. It should be incorporated into all the choices, into, the, into our approach in life. People with integrity, <laughs> they find the white when others see gray. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Listen, don't let the pace of life push you into bad decisions. God did not create you and I to be carbon copies of anyone or anything in this world. The book of Ephesians chapter 3 declares that you and I, that we are a masterpiece. You know what it's talking about? You are an original, a one of a kind. So let's not fall into being carbon copies. Be an original. As I've said before, don't conform. Transform. Even the littlest things matter. The smallest compromises matter. You, you ever heard of the Titanic? At the very least, I'm sure that many of you have seen the movie. It wasn't as romantic, I'm, I'm pretty sure. People weren't kissing in the throes of a ship sinking. 
But anyway, the Titanic in its day was known to be indestructible. And they've proven, and I know this because I'm a National Geographic geek. (laughs) It's proven that what sunk it wasn't a big gash in the side of the ship. It was six small slits that occurred as it crashed into glaciers that they assumed were destructible in comparison to the size of this ship. My point with that is simply this, that it's not the big things in life that sink us and spoil what God has destined us for. It's the small things. It's the little things. Things that we see that we see as inconsequential like integrity. You know, no husband plans on destroying a 20-year marriage for the sake of work and the love of money. No parent plans on destroying their children for the sake of just giving them everything that they want and not providing boundaries and not teaching them a better way. But they do. My point with that is this, that listen, we never plan or intend to go the wrong way with those little missteps with integrity. But if we don't watch them, we will go a wrong way. And thank God for his mercy and his faithfulness that he's still present and he still makes a way for us. But listen, the uphill climb can be hard sometimes. So why even go there? People with integrity do what they say they'll do. Listen to the words of Jesus. Let your yes be yes. Matthew chapter 5 verse 37. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Watch what he says. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Heavy words, if you think about it. There are times when we say we'll do things and we don't because of our excuses or because something that we deemed more important. Listen, I will tell you as your pastor, I'm guilty of this one. I've fallen short there. I've said I'm going to do this and I don't. It doesn't excuse the choice not to operate with integrity. Notice what Jesus says. If you say yes, then stick to your yes. And if you say no, stick to your no. And he says anything outside of that, you're associating yourself with a nature that's not yours. You don't belong there. That's not how I've called you to exist. Think of it this way. Where would we be if God didn't operate in integrity to his word? And yet, we're called to that same nature. We've been redeemed and restored to that very likeness. And so why not reflect a life of integrity? Why not keep our word just like God keeps his? And lastly, I leave you with this thought. People with integrity act like they're being watched. (laughs) Listen, we shouldn't live in light of how people think that we should be the light that impacts what they think. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Let no one, let no one despise your youth, 
But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Simply put, let everything that you are be an example to everyone around you. Our lives are known and read by all men by our integrity. Why not strive to not be found in the fiction section? Integrity. You know, this world, we live in a day and age where people struggle to believe in Jesus. Where people don't want to believe in Jesus. Where people don't want to know about God. And what they're seeking for is proof. What they're seeking for is something credible that proves Jesus is real. God really does love me. God really does have a better plan and purpose for my life. May I say this with all due respect? Maybe it's because they're not getting enough of a credible example from our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, we are righteous in Christ. We are blessed. We are healed. We are whole. We are the light of the world. And all that is good and all that is true. But what benefit is it if we don't integrate who we are and what we've become in Christ and lead by integrity in a world that needs to know how true and credible Jesus really is? Let's stand.